Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hello. A week ago, on Shabbos, I was in Hollywood, Florida. And then I flew back to Baltimore. And hoping another week I'll be in Teaneck speaking there. Now, what do Hollywood and Baltimore and Teaneck have in common? The answer is they're Goshens. In this week's Parsha and all these stories that we have at the end of Bracious and Enshmos, the Jews were originally located in the province of Goshen. This was a tactic or a plan on the part of Yosef to set up his brothers and others in an all-Jewish neighborhood, or at least that's the way the tradition puts it. And the idea being that Yosef, who was a virtuoso at managing relations between Egyptians and Jews, was quite aware that he was doing a tightrope act. He knew, and only he knew, how to accommodate both sides. Only he knew how to be a full mystery in the sense of being of service to Egypt, and yet at the same time not lose his Jewish identity. Dressed like an Egyptian, spoke like an Egyptian, married an Egyptian princess, and yet he's a Shomer Shabbos, as the expression goes. Yosef was able to pull that off. But in that process, he was quite aware that others are not as well endowed in that area as he is. And he was quite aware that the potential for bad feelings between the Egyptians and the Jews was pronounced. Already the Chumash takes the trouble to tell us back in, where is it, Mikase, I think, that when the brothers are summoned to his house, three tables are set up, one for the Mitzrim, the Egyptians, one for the brothers, Kilo Yuchlu, HaMitzrim Lechem, Lechem. The Egyptians, already at that time, didn't want to be in a kosher restaurant. They didn't want to sit together with the Jews. And of course, Yosef himself has a third table set up just for himself to keep everybody guessing. But the point is, he's quite aware, Jews and Egyptians are not such a good shidduch. And on the other hand, if they live in Egypt or not part of Egypt, if they live in Goshen, as the expression goes, or if you prefer the American version, if they live in Teaneck or Lakewood, perhaps, well, Lakewood is flowing over now into other towns, but, or Muncie, you know, you see what I'm saying, then uh, it's possible the Jews retain their identity, not harm anybody else, and there'll be less friction and everybody will be happy. And as long as Yosef was alive, he was able to manage this relationship. That's the way the Chazal indicated. And that's the reason we're told, the end of Bracious, that Yosef saw the bris of his great-great-grandchild. So for those generations he was there, he knew how to hold him and how to fold him. But then he died. The story of Shmos this week's parsha is, by Yomas Yosef, 
Yosef dies. And the next thing you know, things start to go south. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the next thing you know, what does the Pusik say? I'm doing this by heart. As soon as Yosef dies, the Jews got too big and powerful. I know we all learned in Rashi and the Chazal that they all had six children at one time. I understand that. But what do the words mean? They increased and multiplied. And Vayatsman, they got very powerful. So in other words, like certain communities we know today, uh, they prospered. And uh, when they prospered, they had economic power. And then they lost the sense that we should still stay in Goshen. They lost the sense that we shouldn't spill over into other areas, which Yosef had tried to warn them about. Because Jews can be a turnoff to the others. And next thing we know about Timolayer Susam, they spread out of Goshen and spread all over the country. Now, there's a separate problem with that phrase, which I'm not really going to go into now, because that would take too much time. Those of you who are listening, you know a little bit about Hebrew and about Diktuk, know that, that those words don't make sense. You can say, The land was filled with them, but not But the basic idea is that there was a negative process going two ways. And this has happened then and happens today. On the one hand, the Jews got too much into Egypt. On the other hand, the Egypt got too much into the Jews. On the one hand, Batimoli or some, the Jews spread and moved into all the different neighborhoods. And I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast, the Chazal tell us that after Yosef died, they stopped circumcising, which is just an interesting phenomenon because the priesthood of Egypt circumcised, but they wanted to say that we are regular Egyptians. Nia commits rim, that's the language of the Chazal of the Medrash. And that provoked a counter-reaction because they weren't Egyptian and they're trying to pass themselves off as Egyptian and now they're trying to participate in Egyptian culture and the Egyptians do not regard them as Egyptian and the next thing you know, Pharaoh said, the next line in the Chumash is, Paro says, We better devise a strategy like Donald Trump because they're getting too many of these illegal people in the country and we got to do something and the only thing we can do is enslave them. That's the story of how the slavery began when they spread out of Goshen. Had they remained inside and followed the sage and sound advice of Joseph, who knew what he was doing, then the whole story wouldn't happen. That's the interesting uh, thing it tells us in this parsha. That's why when you read these parshas, they're existential. The lessons that they teach apply constantly, even in our own day, which is kind of strange. And what I mean by that is that two things happened. The Jews spread into Egypt, but we also know the Jews picked up the Egyptian culture. The Rambam, many will be familiar with, says very famously, I think at the beginning of Hochzebedezor, that even though Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov built up a whole nation of converts, everything fell away. And when they were in Egypt, they all converted to Egyptianism, including all the Jews except for the tribe of Levi. That's how the Rambam puts it. Except for the tribe of Levi. Which, by the way, is why the story in our Parsha goes like this. All the Jews collapsed religiously, but the elite that will emerge, Moshe and Aaron and Miriam, they're from that small group of Levi. That they still maintain a tie with the tradition and therefore God has somebody to talk with. The other Shvatim, too far gone. So this is a remarkable story that we're talking about over here. 
Goshen is a model. As I said before, we have Goshens throughout Jewish history, and you certainly have them in America in the year 2018. And the Goshen model works up to a point. Once the people in that community become too well off, then we find part of uh, success spoils rock hunter, and they get too materialistic, and they feel too comfortable in the home, and next thing you know, they want to participate in the construction of the politics and of the culture, and who knows where this leads. Uh, the message from the Chumash is not a politically liberal one, the mes- at least not the way I read it. The message from the Chumash is one of great skepticism and uh, almost cynicism. But is it not true? Do we not see the Goshen phenomenon in our own time? Uh, I always try to discern, the best of my ability, the application of the stories that you find week to week in contemporary times. I would argue that Goshen is a uh, very powerful contemporary reality, and without going into the specifics of many communities, if you look around, you will see quite a few examples of this. Anyway, have a good Shabbat. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.